From Hope Made Strong, this is the Care Ministry Podcast, a show about equipping ministry leaders and transforming communities through care. Supporting those in your church and community not only changes individuals' lives, but it grows and strengthens the church. But we want to do that without burning out. So listen in as we learn about tools, strategies, and resources that will equip you, your team, and strengthen hope. I'm Laura Howe, and welcome to the Care Ministry Podcast. On the show today, we're going to be talking about skills for supporting others and how you, as a ministry leader, are able to effectively offer encouragement and care to those who look to you for support. Along with this super practical episode, I'm also offering a free download. In the show notes, you can download a cheat sheet of responses that you can give to people when they ask for advice. We're going to go into this more in the episode, but support is not advice giving, so it can be really tricky to navigate these direct requests. So grab that download and have these helpful questions and prompts to more effectively support people who are asking for advice. I am excited about this episode because it is super practical. I'm going to be giving you five skills that you can put into practice in your very next conversation. In fact, if you are listening to this episode and you use these tips in the next few days, I want to hear about it. I would love to know how you have used these five skills. Now, I've learned these the hard way, let me tell you, and I want you to learn from my mistakes. When I started my career as a case manager with a community mental health clinic, I was 25 years old and I was thinking I was going to save the world. I was eager to offer hope and walk alongside those who were struggling. But after only a few months, I was getting yet again another message. Your client is requesting a new worker. (laughs) Now, the first two clients I could understand. One actually asked me if I was a high school placement student. So I I could understand that this 45-year-old man didn't want help from who he saw was a kid. And the woman struggling with postpartum didn't want support from someone who never had children. So I get those. Those make sense to me. But I do remember at the time thinking, I'm not a kid. But looking back, yeah, I totally was a young kid. In those first few years of counseling and as a case manager, there was a huge learning curve. Not only did I have to learn how to build rapport and trust with people, but I put myself in potentially dangerous situations in a desperate attempt to help people get out of addictions and mental health crises. I had to learn quickly how to communicate boundaries because I was also working in the small community that I lived in. A lot of lessons were learned, and I would like to share with you my top five skills that I have learned for an effective support session. The first one being that we are supporters, not saviors. Have you ever found yourself sitting on the couch thirsty, but too tired or lazy to get up and get yourself a drink? And then someone goes by or walks by and you say, hey, while you're up, do you mind getting me some water? I think I've done this a number of times to my husband. You're comfortable on the couch and the person is now in a better position and that's easier for them to get you what you need. That's what it can feel like for people who are struggling. They're tired, they're worn out, and you are already up. You are in a better position to provide the solution. You have found success where they have felt failure. As human beings, it's normal to ask for help and support from those who are in a better position than ourselves. Our feelings of defeat paralyze us and our failure to overcome robs us of our confidence. 
but we are to be supporters, not saviors. We offer consistent encouragement and a safe place for people to wrestle through life's difficult challenges. We are cheerleaders, and when people can't have hope for their own future, we become the caretakers of hope and hold it until they have the ability to take it back. We are to work with someone, not for someone. Let me repeat that. I think we need to hear that again. We are to work with people. We are not supposed to work for people. I find that a quick and simple way to check if I've crossed over that line of supporter to savior is to ask, am I working harder than the person I'm supporting? If the answer is yes, then I probably need to take a step back and let the person take the lead and be the hero of their own life. And this is why it's important to avoid giving advice. When someone is asking for support, it's usually because they're tired and tried everything in their power and it's just not working. They're overwhelmed and defeated. And our job is to come alongside them and become supporters, not saviors. When we approach our helping work as supporters and not saviors, we see God-given talents and strengths within others, and we support them to find their way out. They build confidence and resilience and trust in God rather than becoming dependent on us. Now, the second skill is knowing when to listen, like really actually listen. When people finally get enough courage to ask for help, it usually means an issue has been festering in their life or in their mind for a while, and you might be the first person that they have talked to about this. So it's not uncommon for people to explode with information, spilling their guts and talk on and on for like 15 or 20 minutes without giving you an opportunity to get a word in. Learning to be okay with people having verbal diarrhea was a big turning point in my work. The meeting, after all, the meeting isn't about you, it's about them. It's incredible. When a person takes 20 minutes to tell their story, there's an, there is often a physical reaction. It's like they just put down a very heavy box that they have been carrying for a long time. Just be patient and giving them space to vent is a very powerful way to support people. Once you've given a reasonable amount of time for them to vent, it's time for you to put to work your active listening skills. Active listening is the primary tool for supporting others, and it means to fully concentrate on what's being said rather than just passively hearing the message. I've even heard it described as listening with all your senses. But I think these descriptions fall short. To actively listen is to listen with curiosity. Listening with the intent to know more, to explore, to intentionally seek out the who, what, why, and how of the person's story. So often we listen to find proof of our point, or even more common is to be pretending to listen, but actually really be formulating a response in your mind. And active listening is more than body language or repeating back what the speaker has said, but it's setting aside your agenda so that you can discover and truly understand the perspective of the person coming to you for support. Active listening is listening with curiosity, guiding the person with curious questions so that they can begin to see the challenges or their abilities in a new way. Skill number three is being able to clarify the purpose of the conversation and to remain focused. Listening is really important, but so is learning how to get the conversation back on track. 
Now, this may seem to contradict that second step, that second skill of listening, but this is a skill that will bring your support meetings from being several hours to under an hour. We've all been there. We've all heard someone tell a story that has five rabbit trails and they seem to go on and on and on. And when that happens, it's really hard to understand what the issue is that they're wanting support with and and what you can do to help. While just listening alone can be helpful, it's not ideal to spend the whole time just listening. It's better for both you as the caregiver and the person receiving to support to have some sort of goal or next step. Without it, the supporter can feel more like a punching bag, absorbing all the negativity. And it's not productive as the person looking for support because they're not growing or being challenged. For a few years, I worked in a walk-in counseling clinic where people could just show up and receive a single counseling session for free. In this role, it was really important to learn how to listen, narrow in on the key issue, and provide tools, resources, and strategies to support the issue they were facing. Because although people could return for up to three sessions, the goal was to offer enough support that a single session could meet their need. I began to notice a pattern in how the one-hour session would run. I would patiently listen for about 20 minutes as people would share their story and experiences. I spent the next 15 minutes asking curious, open-ended questions, which would allow us to focus and find that one key issue. The next 15 minutes was talking about tools, strategies, and resources that could help them. And then the final 10 minutes was making a plan on how they were going to implement these strategies. Time after time, without planning or realizing it, this pattern would show up. It was hard for people to narrow down what that key issue was, but I would ask questions like, what is the one thing that keeps you up at night? Or if you could solve one problem, what would it be? Or... If you could find relief in an area, what would take the most pressure off of you? These questions would help narrow the focus. If the person went down a rabbit trail, then I would listen, summarize what they said, validate its importance, but then ask a question that brings it back to that one key issue. Now, I'm aware that in traditional therapy, there are many more sessions available, but for those of you who are going for coffee with those in your small group or offering pastoral care, being able to clarify the purpose of the conversation and remain focused on the primary issue is a skill that is incredibly helpful. The fourth skill is getting comfortable with silence. People can feel overwhelmed when they're going through difficult experiences and emotions. And becoming comfortable with silence is necessary because silence allows the person time to process the questions we're asking. Oftentimes it can feel awkward to be in silence, but think back to a time when you were overwhelmed. There was a lot going on in your mind. Leaving extra room for processing is absolutely needed. In a support session, people can feel vulnerable and just don't know what to say. But the awkwardness of silence is a gentle way to encourage people to open up. Believe me, if you stay silent long enough after asking a question, people will eventually answer. And usually what they say is really insightful. Silent support is undervalued. When someone is facing a tragedy or a loss, they're often overwhelmed. Mentally, they're trying to process the flood of emotions. So adding to the noise by talking is probably not helpful. Being present but silent can be uncomfortable for you. But let me tell you, it is very soothing for the other person. 
Now, the fifth and final skill is knowing when to refer. Knowing our limits is our ethical responsibility to supporting people. Understanding where our skills begin and end is essential to giving the best quality care to an individual who's looking for help. This returns us back to our first point. We are supporters, not saviors. We can't be all things to all people. If you find that you're working with someone longer than you would like to, take a moment to reflect on the work that you're doing and if the support is actually helping the person or if it's enabling them. Or perhaps the support they're needing is greater than what you're able to provide. I believe that every supporter and caregiver should have a list of local resources and services that they're able to refer and connect people to. It may be addictions, grief, mental health, youth issues, trauma. By having a network of professionals and organizations that have specialties, you can offer the best support to individuals by helping them connect with these other supports and professions. So those are the top five skills for supporting others. Number one, be a supporter, not a savior. Two, active listening. Number three, being able to clarify the purpose. Four, getting comfortable with silence. And five, knowing when to refer. Don't forget to grab that download on how to respond to requests for advice. This will give you some really good prompts and a way to redirect people when they are looking to you for advice to solve their problem. Well, thank you so much for listening. I encourage you to put what you've heard into action. How are you going to be intentional about building a culture of care for both yourself and for others in your church? And if what you've heard today was helpful, I would love it if you could write a review. This will help others find the podcast more easily. Thanks for connecting. Take care.